The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and welcome to The Burning Issue. My name is uh, Mohammed Fasih Peterson. Uh, now, this past week has been a watershed moment for South Africans, which has turned our entire lives on its head. South Africa co- uh, commenced a 21-day lockdown period on Friday, which ends on April the 16th, inshallah, in a bid to curtail the spread of the coronavirus. Currently, there are five deaths in South Africa and reported 1,353 infections. But while the majority of South Africans have heeded the call to stay at home, there are certain communities or perhaps pockets of people in certain areas who are not adhering to the national regulations. The president even mentioned this in his speech last night, saying we are concerned about those who have not yet appreciated the seriousness of this disease. In Cape Town, authorities have found it difficult managing the lockdown on the Cape Flats and township areas. And the question is, why is the lockdown not being adhere to in our townships and how should authorities respond? Well, that's our burning issue this evening. We hope to take some calls in 021-442-3530 later on in the show and your messages via SMS on 47913 or you can WhatsApp us on 072-238-0712 during the show. Now, our guests for this evening will be Byron de Villiers, Lentechia CPF Chairperson and Graham Lindhorst, Chairperson of the Bishop Labour CPF. We'll also be speaking to Abdul Karim Matthew Bishop Labour's Action Committee, or Black, and uh, Akrolile Notiwala from the Social Justice Coalition. And later in the show, we have South African Police Services, as well as the City of Cape Town Safety and Security Directorate. Uh, but let's start off chatting to Byron de Villiers, Lentechia CPF Chairperson, and Graham Lindos, Chairperson of the Bishop Labour CPS present, uh, both joining us online. Obviously, I was seeing Bontevel, Netrich areas uh, being Graham. Uh, good evening. Good evening, gentlemen, and welcome to the uh, Airwaves of Voice of the Cape. Good evening. Good evening to you and your listeners, and thank you for having us in, uh, from Bishop Levis. Uh, it's a pleasure. Um, Biden, I want to start off with uh, the fact day five uh, of the lockdown is almost done, and uh, just paint us a picture of what's been happening in the Lentechir area. Um, what lockdown? You know, that's the question. You know, it, it, it's like December holidays. Um, the communities aren't taking this lockdown seriously, to be honest. It is like uh, free for all out there, and it's just chaos at our shopping centers. Um, so, yeah, so hence the question is what lockdown are you particularly referring to? Now, Graham, um, are, are similar sentiments in Bishop Lavis? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a similar sentiment uh, that I can share within Bishop Lavis because people just don't adhere to the request to stay inside. But the person sort of understands what, what is happening because our people don't have the money uh, to could have uh, made the purchases before the time as other people other people had uh, before the lockdown. So you, you sort of understand, although there's some of them that can stay inside that doesn't do it. Now, both Biden and Graham, um, from your point of view, what power does the CPF have during the lockdown period? Um, yeah, just just from our side, there's there's no power. There's no special 
um, rights that, that we as CPF members. Remember, we, we volunteers and we, we normal community uh, members. So, you know, besides the fact that us being in constant conversation with our respective stations and, and, and our partners, we accept, there's nothing else we at, in, at, at this particular time can do other than try and constantly update and educate our communities around the, the seriousness of this particular virus. Um, but, you know, it, 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 there's another call coming from, from neighborhood watchers um, that also would like to come on board. But bearing in mind is who's going to be taking responsibility of these people. The other fact is that the majority of our neighborhood watch members are women, elderly ladies, who falls in the high-risk category. Um, so who's really going to take responsibilities of these members? You know, as much as we would like to, as volunteers, be part and parcel of, of, of the effort being made by, by national government to, to keep our communities indoors, you know, the risk of, 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 of our, our volunteers getting infected is then, then, then high. Um, so, you know, we just need to obey the call and by staying, staying indoors, you know. Now, in both Bishop Lavis and Lentegia, um is enough uh, SAPS or law enforcement being deployed to kind of manage the situation? Um, yeah, uh, in terms of the Bishop Lavis area, yes, we, we do have enough law enforcement agencies because Metro Police um, law enforcement as well as SAPS and the uh, uh, SNDF is deployed in the area. So there's enough and we I've seen over the past few days because on Friday it was quite chaotic with all the people running up and down, children up and, running up and down. But I've then requested the brigadier to send in these forces and make sure that we we stem those numbers that that are in the street and um, although it's not really down to the levels you would want them but it is down and he has assured me that they've charged quite a lot of people already by when i spoke to him on uh, friday evening he he picked up about three people and find all of them a thousand five hundred rand now um the other thing is do you think, Biden, the problem stems from a lack of information? Because you said you were trying to, you know, uh, to the best of your ability, educate members of the public. Uh, do you think it's, it's a lack of information or simply be people choosing to willfully be ignorant of the consequences of this virus and kind of just being obstinate? Yeah, I, I do need to mention and reiterate, as, as my colleague has said, you know, the timing of the, the lockdown came, came at a time where the majority of our people got, got paid. You know, it, it, it arrived right at the end of the month. It is now falling over the time where, where Sasa grants are due. So it's, it's a very difficult time. However, I do think that there, there's enough information put out there to educate our, our, our com, uh, communities. And yes, you, we do get the people who's just ignorant about it and say, well, uh, it's just for, for tourists. It's not for us. It, it won't. You know, that's the mentality of, of, of certain of our communities. So, yeah, look, I, I, I think enough is being done. And, and, and just again from our side, you know, we, we, we're trying to put out as, as, much as, as much information as possible as well as awareness around um, the virus. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a catch-22 situation where the timing of the lockdown and also the mentality of, of, of our communities. 
Now, Biden, have you seen a dip in crime during the lockdown? I mean, we are told that some Shabins are still operating. I assume drug dealers are not going to allow a lockdown to stop the cash flow either. Uh, so any ideas how they are able to skirt uh, or circumvent the lockdown as it's currently? You know, it's, yeah, you know, they, 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 they plan the, the operations. I'll call it operations because it's well planned. Um, as, as soon as the, the enforcements move out of the area, they have the people, their runners that, that, that now move the business away from the premises. They go onto fields and stuff like that. So, yes, look, they, they still operational. However, I would say to, to, to our, our Neighborhood Watch members and, and, and all the other organizations that, you know, by SAPs and the arm and other reinforcements struggling to get the people off the road, it takes away the attention and, and, and time that they need to put in to close the Shabins and, and obviously the, the drug dealers and those. So the more the people stay indoors, the more resources are available to, to, to raid the houses, the drug houses, and close the Shabins and stuff. Now, um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on perhaps is just... Um, Graeme, uh, the social concerns that you have, um, already we have seen chaos at, at the Sasa pay points. Um, what are you seeing in terms of the procedures to manage that? Yeah, we, we, we are very concerned exa- exactly for, for, for that. And uh, our problem is that, um, and I've spoken to uh, the authorities to see if we cannot push in the neighborhood watches because they are able to assist in terms of uh, for controlling the, the people. And uh, we are very, quite upset at the fact that nothing was done to help our vulnerable old people as well as uh, um, the, 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 the disabled people in these lines. Nothing Nothing has been done in our areas, and they were left uh, to their own device. We are of the view that the government could at least have looked at a, a, a sort of plan to get uh, our people sorted in terms of either getting them paid before uh, 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 the lockdown because that, that would have helped ease um, the, the influx of people to the shops now um, and as well as also brought in because we've seen in other pro- provinces they brought in the neighborhood watches and it would have helped uh, uh, quite a lot. So our concern is really that uh, um, nothing has been done for our people in our areas to ensure that we have that social distancing um, even the shops all they care about is making profits at these times uh, um, but they don't care in terms of assisting people in the lines making sure that they they do maintain the the distances and even our law enforcement agencies they don't even care because to them it's 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 nothing they they just carry on as as, as normal um, and we feel that something needs to be done because our people's lives uh, do matter as, as, as well and we need to ensure that our people is safe when they walk around when they do certain things um, yeah so so we, we're very much concerned about that but our biggest concern is also that this government that doesn't care about our people that leaves our people for their own devices you can see it in the in in the areas people are left to their own devices the the authorities doesn't come in and assist, assist them even though uh, they have the ability to can do that they just don't care you don't even see the councillors in the area they don't even assist uh, the communities in the area we just left or our people are just left to their own devices
Yeah, just to add, sorry, just to add to what Graham was saying, you know, that besides the fact that the elderly struggle to get to the pay points, they get to the pay points and they're left with no money. You know, that's another concern. You know, they, they make all the time and effort to, to get to the pay points and then they have to leave with, with, without any money. You know, that's another concern, especially, you know, that was raised within, within our precinct, you know, that the people on number one are struggling, and now they get there, and then they have to go back again because there was no money for them. Now, uh, on, on a positive note, um, what community initiatives have been put in place? We know that uh, there must be a serious need for some destitute families where the breadwinners are out of work, the elderly and obviously disabled, uh, to assist them with the essentials during this time. So are there any initiatives at, perhaps uh, uh, initiated by the community to assist those who are vulnerable? Um, in our communities, sorry, uh, continue, sorry. my colleague. Uh, sorry, Graham, man. Yeah, look, yeah. So, so from our side, you know, we've got various NGOs that is reaching out in terms of of, of, of feeding schemes and stuff like that. You know, I've I've got one one of our colleagues um, who is a pastor. He he's gone around and 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 noted all the homeless people. You know, the amount of homeless people that they have within our precinct and started to identify spaces, you know, that's another concern. Not much is being said about about the homeless people within the Cape Flats. You know, where are they relocating? I know it has been said by one of the chairpersons that uh, Stramontaine would be accommodating uh, the homeless people. My question is, no logistics was discussed or how are they going to get the homeless people to, to that particular site? You know, so 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 a lot of things has been done, but a lot of uh, critical things has been it's, it's been lagging in terms of feeding schemes. You know, um, does DSD do they take the responsibility for for, for feeding the, the the needy and and the sick and the elderly? Um, you know, because there's a lot of NGOs that wants to come on board, but who do they go to? What paperwork is involved? So there's a lot of red type. Um, around people wanting to assist. There's, there's, there's a lot of people that is committed and wants to help, but, you know, um, our hands are tied once again because of, 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 of where our, our provincial government and national government is sitting. The voice of Byron de Villiers, Lentegeer Community Policing Forum, CPF Chairperson. We also have Graham Lindos, a Chairperson of the Bishop Labour CPF, sharing their views around uh, what's been happening in their areas. And, of course, uh, the picture that's being painted on, by both gentlemen is that <laughs> the question, what lockdown? Uh, from their point of view, it's, it's business as usual for a lot of community members, but also raising some issues pertaining to the fact that um, because the lockdown started uh, in a period of time where people uh, were needing to be paid so therefore uh, you would find long queues, long lines and also asking the question if the su- was it not necessary for SASA payments to be made earlier to avoid uh, the queues and uh, to allow the elderly to be able to access the services that they needed to that was the question raised earlier on but gentlemen thank you so much for joining us on the line all the best. Thank, thank you. you.
Well, what we're going to do now, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll be chatting to uh, Abdul Karim Matthews and Akwalili Notiwala. Uh, Abdul Karim from Bishop Lewis Action Community. And then we'll also have uh, Akwalili from SJC General, uh, she's the General Secretary. And we'll be talking a little bit more about the lockdown and the challenges uh, faced by uh, communities, and particularly township communities once again, and why it is that people aren't conforming, but also in terms of townships and the dynamics there, uh, are the kind of restrictions with lockdown applicable to in communities such as these where people don't have basic services, people are living in confined spaces. We'll talk about that after this. You're welcome to WhatsApp us 072-238-0712. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. We continue with the look at the 21-day lockdown and how it's been managed in our townships. Now, we know there has been a lot of concern raised by the public that some people are simply ignoring the rules of the lockdown. Others are saying, look, we must understand the dynamics of living in areas like Mitchell's Plain, Manenberg, Kailicha, and Nyanga. Uh, the social dynamics are simply different to the, the quietness of Cape Town suburbs. Uh, already one person has been diagnosed with COVID-19 in Kailicha and five in Mitchell's Plain, so the reality of this virus in our poorer communities is here. Now, Bishop Lewis Action Community Civic Activism Coordinator Abdul Karim Matthews uh, joins us now online. We were hoping to get Akwalili Notiwala from the SJC. Uh, she's the General Secretary, but unfortunately, uh, she is not able to join us. But Abdul Karim, shukran so much uh, for taking the time out to speak to us this evening. Alaikum salam, shukran to you and your listeners. Shukran so much, uh, pleasure, sir. Uh, so, um, I, I want to get stuck into it. Um, you're very active in the Bishop Lavis community. Has SAPS and law enforcement been active? Um, are people respecting the lockdown in your area? If not, then why? Um, the experience of the lockdown um, in a place like uh, Bishop Lavis is, is varied. You have some people who seemingly are willfully disobeying the lockdown regulations, right? Um, and then you have some people who have no choice but to ignore those same lockdown regulations. In other words, if you're a person that's unemployed and you're living from day to day and a lockdown and you haven't had time to purchase sufficient food for 21 days, you are forced to go out onto the streets to go and hustle for food. Those people are not locally out on the streets. And so this the singular narrative that people should just stay in their homes, right? That assumption is that people are actually living in homes, whereas what people are do- doing is people are living in overcrowded shacks and overcrowded flats. And in a situation, for example, like uh, our neighbors across the street in Lanka, we do not have access to an inside toilet. How does the government expect people to stay in an overcrowded shack or flat when they don't have inside toilets and access to running water, let alone food for the next 17 days? Now, Abdul Karim, um, the argument by some policy experts is that it cannot be a one-size-fits-all approach. And we know the South African context is different to that, of, for example, of China and uh, other countries. But I take into 
into consideration all of these things, um, what would you think would be a more effective approach in trying to deal with, you know, currently what we're seeing uh, in, in, in our areas, particularly in the township areas? Okay. Um, the Labor's Action Committee is very clear as to what needs to be done. Right? First of all, we need to make sure that sufficient food goes into the townships with access to running water for at least 30 days. The way to do that is that the government must take responsibility for the mass distribution of food. There is not enough charity in the world that's going to get enough food in the townships. This must be a government responsibility. Secondly, people need to stay in touch with each other. Right? So we need the um, communication companies to immediately drop the price of data and airtime. Right? Open the public, uh, open the private sector hospitals. We've seen what's happening. It is now more than 10,000 dead people with a really good developed uh, country context and yet they system of health has failed. Our system of health was staying in a dismal condition even prior to COVID-19. So we need private hospitals to open up their beds and they must do so now. We need to suspend rent payments. We need to suspend rent payments and we need to suspend bond payments. Right now what we need is for the government to actually uh, employ a corporate and then deploy one million volunteers across the length and base of this country healthcare system and our law enforcement agencies. Did you know that what your previous um, speakers, right, the matter is that in the Western Cape, our CPS structure, our NHW structure, and our street committee structures have been told to stand down. In other words, we do not have the means in terms of the manpower right now to feed the masses, even if we did have a, a mass feeding program, which is supposed to be sponsored by government. Instead, we are relying on charity, and we are relying on the well-wishes of a billionaire like Rupert, who is making a billion rand available as a donation, and you find that afterwards it's a uh, industry in other words, uh, rich people are still making money out of the pandemic, while our people are set to die very, very shortly. If we don't have sufficient food in the working class areas within the next two weeks, I guarantee you we will have food riots. People cannot stay under lockdown conditions in a five-by-five shack without sufficient food, running water, and the fact that they don't actually have inside toilets that they are forced to go outside. Uh, joining me online now, I do have Akulili Notiwala, SJC General Secretary. Akulili, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I, I, I wanted to just take a moment just to, to get stuck in with you since our time is much shorter now. Um, from the point of view, uh, uh, from your point of view, does the social dynamics in the township, uh, as far as you understand it, make it impossible for a lockdown to be in effect the way that we, as a uh, as a society, expect it to be? Um, good evening and thank you. Um, yeah, definitely. I think um, the lockdown um, doesn't speak to many people's realities. Um, in townships across the country, in places such as Kailisha, where there are huge um, and dense informal settlements and informal settlements that don't have basic services, uh, people that don't have services within their homes, that don't have water within their homes, that don't have toilets within their homes, and where we know there's a lot of unemploy- unemployment um, and poverty as well. Um, a lockdown doesn't speak to those reality of the many that are living within our country. 
Now, um, just leading on from that, we heard uh, some of the, the sentiments of Abdul Karim uh, in relation to uh, food riots and, and, and the challenge with you know, po- the, the, the poverty that uh, is already existent in townships, uh, exacerbated and exaggerated by the fact that we have this lockdown, many people are losing their jobs, uh, many mm. people are on short time and movement is restricted. So um, if, we, if, if we look at that, then uh, how 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 would you say that uh, not only does that affect the the the, the fight against COVID nineteen, but also uh, how how do we expect the economic system to perhaps deteriorate in in, in the township communities? Yeah, I mean, people normally, some people in in townships and some people, especially in informal settlements, would have families elsewhere that they rely on. Um, and in a, in a space of a lockdown, those people won't even have to, won't be able to travel because first of all, there's no taxis, um, there's no transport, there's no public transport, but they won't be getting food from their families and the people that they know that they would normally, that they would normally travel to. It's going to affect a lot of people in terms of jobs. Some people, um, that would not be working now and so are likely not going to be getting a salary. And these are people that do not have savings, and so they're not going to be able to sustain themselves, even if there is a chance for them to go to the shops. What they don't have will be the money to buy um, anything anything in the shops. So um, that, that, that issue has not been addressed. It was never prioritized by our government. They're only thinking about it now, um, and it's a bit late to think about that now for people that are already hungry and they are likely to go hungry in the next in the next few days now the other thing uh, uh, that i wanted to touch on uh, is if we look at the the challenges in terms of instituting a certain level of hygiene. We have, we've heard the president speaking about using hand sanitizer, washing your hands regularly with soap and water. Um, how difficult is that in a township community when uh, you know this the, the people are staying probably about a hundred meters or fifty meters from the nearest tap, and uh, sanitation services uh, are being utilized by perhaps twenty households. 15, 50 meters or 100 meters is, 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 is short. Many people travel for 30 minutes to get water. Um, and so people have to think about what is it that they're going to prioritize. If you have 25 liters of water and you have to travel every 30 meters, do you, tra- do you prioritize washing hands for 20 seconds? Do you prioritize using that water to drink or to cook or to wash yourself? These are the the, are the difficult and impossible situations that people are put in. And also, if you think about a lockdown, people have to, we already have seen some of the violence um, from from law enforcement or from police or from the army. And so you have to think twice before going to a tap that's 30, that's 30 meters, uh, 30 minutes away. You have to think twice before going to a toilet that's 30 minutes away because that issue was never addressed by the president, whether you still are going to be able to go to a toilet that's a few hundred meters away from you. Uh, 
on that note, I just want uh, the two of you to to stay with me. I'm going to go for a break, and when we come back, we will continue. And you're welcome still to WhatsApp us, 072-238-0712. Uh, we're speaking about the lockdown and, uh, yeah, the challenges facing communities in adhering to the lockdown. And also later on, again, we will uh, once again open up the discussion to you around why people are disobeying uh, the lockdown currently, particularly in the township uh, communities on the Cape Flats also. It's been said that people are trying are skirting the regulations but uh, we want to get your comments on 072 SMS us also on 47913 we'll be back after this The Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM Stereo Welcome back to The Burning Issue, and uh, we're still talking about uh, the 21-day lockdown and uh, yeah, the challenges in enforcing this lockdown, particularly in the Cape community and on the Cape Flats particularly. Uh, still online, I have Abdul Karim Matthews, Bishop Labour's Action Community, uh, and then also Akrolili Natuwala from the SJC. Uh, she's the general, uh, he's the general secretary. And I want to continue uh, just with, with, with uh, in the next few minutes that we have, just looking at particularly the idea of um, just just uh, if we look at the uh, enforcing of the lockdown and again um, I want to revisit uh, my early sentiments where people are saying that um, you know s- some people don't necessarily have enough information about uh, COVID-19 to understand what social distancing is and what it means for the spread of the disease uh, versus some people who are saying that COVID-19 as it you know as as it's as it's as it's playing out does not necessarily reflect uh, you know a danger to us immediately it's not something that's immediately in our vicinity so we don't necessarily need to worry it's something happening on the other side of town um, and, and I want to start off with Abdul Karim um, my, my response is, is quite clear even before COVID-19 hit us um, uh, the was dealing with a, a question of a war on the case flats um, and the capability of the South African Police Service as well as the South African National Defence Force to bring that war under control. I will remind our listeners that for 2019, almost 3,000 people lost their lives. We are now need to believe that this government is able to police a complete rundown in our townships. And it boggles the mind. It boggles the mind. For us, the, the issue is very, very clear. If we blame the poor for leaving their homes in the hustle for, for daily existence, then essentially passing the blame on this to the working class. Right? If the working class post 94 had sufficient decent homes, sufficient decent jobs, at a sufficient decent living wage, access to um, quality education and access to quality public health care, and this virus has hit us under those conditions, we would not be having this discussion today. The lockdown is going to work for people who live in beautiful homes, who have sufficient food in their cupboards for the next 30 days. The lockdown is going to work for them. Those are the people that are supposedly educated and aware of the danger of this pandemic. Now, just think about the, rea- the reality of the, of the Western Cape. 
the, the drug trade continues. The killing continues. Um, this pandemic is just another thing that we have to deal with. That would be the mindset of some people who are ignoring the lockdown regulations. I'm not talking about those people. I'm not talking about the drug addicts, the drug addicts and the gangsters that are roaming the streets right now. I'm not referring to them. I'm talking about law-abiding citizens who are right now, as we speak, hungry and are expected to become five to five by five shack with no access to sufficient running water and inside toilet and enough masks for that area. What about women, uh, I would ask to our listeners, who have to negotiate a dangerous terrain just to go to the toilet at night? What about them? What about the elderly that have to stay in chaos because the government messed up the, the, the SASA payment? In other words, the SASA payment comes out at a time when the shelves have already been emptied by the World Cross. So they were forced to stay in the queue, and we've already received reports of at least two of the elderly people that have died while waiting for the payouts. We've seen reports of the cops shooting at people who are going out to buy food and electricity. And then we have the whole class, and even some sections of, of, of the working class who are in homes saying, stay indoors. How in heaven's name can we expect indoors people to, to, to stay indoors in the context on that note, I, yeah. I do apologize. We do have to break away for the walk of Aishai, but I would like for you and Akkulili to join me for five minutes after we come back from the uh, from the from the Aishai break, if it's if it's possible. Um, and of course, tonight we're speaking about the lockdown, uh, the 21 day lockdown, and how effective it's been, uh, perhaps on the Cape Flats or not been on the Cape Flats. Uh, when we come back after this break, hopefully we'll have a guest with us, uh, and then later on we'll be speaking uh, to Saps, uh, uh, particularly around the situation as it currently stands. Stay with us. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Welcome back to The Burning Issue. And uh, yeah, I just uh, want to continue my conversation uh, for the next five minutes with Abdul Karim Matthews from Bishop Labour's Action Community. And also Atko Lili Notiwala, SJC General Secretary, who still joins me online. Gentlemen, welcome back. Um, I want to get uh, stuck into another aspect of this discussion that um, we weren't able to cover before the break, and that is um, the testing program that uh, is uh, set, is that government has embarked on, I believe, over 10 thousand personnel recruited for this drive uh, in, and this is going to be rolled out in impoverished areas as announced by the president last night what are your views on uh, on, on on this testing program and how effective do you think it will be in helping to curb COVID-19 and we'll start with you at thank you um, I think this is a welcome step um, because I think making sure that people are tested is important um, so that we know where exactly this is happening because in most of our communities, um, even though in a place such as Kailicha there's been one confirmed case, it's likely there's many other people that are affected because of how long the symptoms develop and also how long uh, the test results uh, come back. So this is important and this is something that something that is welcome. Um, but that being said, I don't think enough is being done on, on around prevention by uh, by government. 
And then also, uh, Abdul Karim, do you agree? Um, first of all, let me start by saying that I think the mass testing is a little bit too a little bit too late. Um, we do, however, welcome the um, the planned uh, testing um, mass testing on the part of the government. The, the, the problematics of the mass testing, however, is as follows. It's not a clearly communicated plan. We don't know when the rollout will actually happen. Um, we don't know where people will be tested. And if it is, it is in the locations, how do we expect this to proceed in the sense of what are the locations where the testing will happen? Will this take place in people's shelters? Will uh, these 10,000 people be coming into people's shelters or homes? How will that proceed? Will people be protected? Uh, and so in other words, we, 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 we've got this intention on the part of the government to, to engage in mass testing. But again, very little mass education is taking place around the mass testing. However, don't forget the question of mass testing in, in the absence of the mass distribution of food and ensuring access to running water. The problem with the mass testing though, is that if you pick up the symptoms and you are in self-isolation, for two weeks, self-isolation will literally mean a death sentence because guess what? You don't have water in your home, in your shelter, and you don't have an inside toilet. So without access to any water, right, you're going to clean yourself properly because you don't have hand sanitizers, etc. Self-isolation in that particular context would further exacerbate the infection rate and therefore exacerbate and amplify the impending death rate. And then, uh, just finally, um, Abdul Karim, uh, do you think that uh, corporate South Africa is doing enough? We, we heard about um, the, 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 the huge cash injections by some uh, big entities, corporate entities in South Africa, but do you think corporate South Africa is doing enough to help curb COVID-19 or at least to assist with the impact on ordinary South Africans? Hardly ever enough, hardly ever enough, because before I answer that question, we must talk about corporates of Africa being responsible and guilty of paying our people very, very low wages for the work that people do. In other words, the fact that you have a low wage means that you can't uh, provide a sustainable livelihood for your family. Let's start there. Then in terms of those non-billionaire uh, donations, in the case of group family, they made available a donation of one billion rand, which was announced by uh, President Ramaphosa, and afterwards we find out, no, it's a loan. It's a loan, and it's not a, uh, it's not a donation. But if you look at what corporate South Africa is doing, is the fact that they are instituting a so-called solidarity fund. They're helping people, but in the absence of ensuring that people are actually being fed on a daily basis for the period of the lockdown. Where will that money be spent? How will that money be spent? Um, how will we make sure that there's no corruption involved? Because the very same government that some people are now apparently um, praising is the very same government that is responsible for the looting of over one trillion land from our state treasury from 1994. So to expect that uh, corporate Africa is going to solve this problem, I don't think so. On the contrary, what in our areas. Let's identify the vulnerable and who are they. They are the children that are malnourished, they are the sick, they are the abused, they are the disabled. Let's identify those people and make sure that when we get food in the countries that are vulnerable people, 
our vulnerable um, populations and groupings have access to food first. If corporate South Africa and the government were to actually do that, we might save lives. And I'm telling you now, um, we're predicting food rights. It's going to happen. People can accuse us of, of, of fear and longer. But we're telling you now that in the next two weeks, as people hand out the food, we will have food rights. And um, it will leave a trail of destruction and death um, similar to what um, the pandemic is already doing in the rest of, of, of the world. And so, no, I don't think that corporate South Africa is doing enough, and I don't think the government is doing enough. We want mass testing and the planets communicated around that, and we want the mass distribution of food and other basic necessities, and we want that now. Uh, joining me online, Abdul Karim uh, Matthews from uh, Bishop Labour's Action Community, as well as Akolili Notiwala from the SJC General, uh, who's the General Secretary of the SJC. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me this evening. I was hoping to chat to you a little bit longer, but unfortunately, time has marched on, and uh, yeah, perhaps we will be able to engage at a later stage, hopefully with some better news. Inshallah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Well, what we'll do now is I'm just going to read out some of those messages while we get uh, Brigadier Matepelo Peters, acting spokesperson for the police minister uh, online, as well as Alderman J.P. Smith, MAKO member for safety and security uh, here in the Western Cape to talk about uh, the challenges with lockdown uh, and, of course, uh, the fact that to a certain degree, uh, various communities in Cape Town have just not heeded to the call to stay inside. Uh, well, uh, some uh, WhatsApps coming through. This one says the president took his own time choosing uh, our ports, uh, to, choosing to close our ports, so he needs to take uh, some responsibility. One case was opening the doors to thousand cases. Uh, I don't understand the lockdown when our retail workers who also have families are exposed to so many people as if they have the antivirus to protect them. Lockdown means lockdown and not selective. Uh, then there's one saying uh, that's true what the guy is saying. People don't care. Plus, uh, when law enforcement and the army van drive past, they don't stop the people and ask them where they are off to. Children playing out the flats. Uh, nobody we- wears masks uh, in the on the Cape Flats. So Is this really what the people are uh, that the people are disobedient? These are rules, democratic rules made for the people, but not by the people. Shame democracy in big capital letters there. This one says, uh, I just wanted to ask what about day hospital? Is anything uh, being done about the overcrowded lines? I think he was referring to Bishop Lavis there. Uh, Then this one saying, yes, it's sad. If people say they don't have enough time to get food, however, the queues at the bottle stores and liquor store, the wholesalers, were longer than the queues at the food places. So I think uh, I'd I recall uh, just before the call for lockdown, a lot of people, we saw it on social media. Uh, I personally saw it on, on WhatsApp statuses where people were actually going out to buy massive amounts of alcohol to stockpile and stock up. And people saying that the queues at the bottle stores were actually longer than the queues at, uh, uh, the, uh, sh- at the wholesalers, what the, 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 the uh, supermarkets to buy food. Uh, this one says the government has worked it out all to the benefit of the middle class and elite. The poor people are expendable to them. This one says, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. China citizens are more disciplined than South Africans and many of those lives in squatter camps have houses in Transkai and other areas. Well, I don't really know what houses in Transkai and other areas uh, you know, have to do with, with the fact that 
COVID-19 lockdowns happening right now. Maybe you can explain to me. Send me a WhatsApp, 0722380712. Well, uh, we're now joined in line by Brigadier Matapelo Peters, Acting Spokesperson for the Police Minister. And then we also have Alderman J.P. Smith, Maker Member for Safety and Security. So both giving us a national and provincial look. Uh, and I want to greet my guests. Uh, gentlemen, good evening and welcome to the Airwaves. Evening. Uh, good evening to you too. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I want to start off with, with you, Brigadier, since I believe uh, you have another engagement. Uh, Brigadier, if you can paint us a picture of the last uh, five days, what, what they've been like in the Western Cape um, and, 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 and the challenges that uh, have been faced by law enforcement? Well, from the from midnight the 26th when the national lockdown kicked off, uh, police have been on the ground together with the South African National Defence Force, as well as Metro Police Department and uh, other law enforcement agencies. What we have found on the ground is that uh, we 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 actually have had an overwhelming sense of compliance from the larger part of the public and only a handful of people that have really been giving us problems in terms of non-compliance. Tomorrow the minister will, after the National Command Council, pronounce on the statistics in terms of arrests that were made over the weekend, the first weekend of the lockdown, for, for largely for contravention of the disaster management regulations in relation to the lockdown. Now, uh, from your point of view, what have been some of the major transgressions during the lockdown? Well, in some instances, we have had to arrest people for selling and possession of liquor. We know that during the lockdown period, the sale and consumption of liquor is prohibited, totally prohibited, as compared to the time when it was still a state of disaster. Liquor could be sold during specific time frames, but now it has completely been prohibited. And then we have also had to arrest people who deliberately transgressed. We had um, a gentleman arrested in Pretoria where police, the, the members from the Hawks, responded to a tip-off, and we found 11 female employees of a call center working and you could see that the, 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 the owner of this company had even stocked up on groceries and mattresses, and these were supposed to last until the end of the lockdown. So that, too, it's not an essential service, so therefore the owner was arrested for contravening the, um, the regulations. And then also for we've, – we've made quite a few, but we have arrested for, for people that refused to be confined – as per the regulations of the lockdown. Now, uh, one of the complaints by the CPF has been that there's not been enough police manpower to monitor all areas or hotspots. And obviously some people are complaining that in certain parts of Cape Town, uh, we're still seeing business going on as usual, people hanging out in the streets and uh, treating the lockdown as if it doesn't exist. Uh, in your opinion, is this true uh, regarding the deployment of, 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 of law enforcement and how is it being dealt with? Well, I must say, even beyond or before the COVID-19 and the lockdown and the situation we find ourselves in, it is common knowledge that police, in terms of numbers, we are challenged and we are stretched. 
especially in relation to the crime situation in the country and in places like the Western Cape and Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal. But now that we have this extra burden of the COVID-19 lockdown situation, we even now have reinforcement through the National Defense Force, as well as I know in the Western Cape we've got the law enforcement officers and in other provinces where there are metro police, we've got metro police departments. So all these law enforcement agencies are working together as force multipliers just to ensure that uh, we are able to to meet the demand in terms of members being deployed strategically. But I want to also emphasize what was said by Minister of Police, Becky Taylor, that... Uh, especially in relation to the COVID-19 lockdown and disaster management, the one key stakeholder that we are appealing to for maximum cooperation is our members of the community. If the public complies and listens to the president in terms of responding and adhering to the regulations of the disaster of the lockdown we would actually not require so many police because now we find ourselves having to police people for their own health we're not even policing in relation to crime in general you're policing somebody just to make sure that this person stays safe because the ultimate price we will all have to pay is that one person gets infected it spreads to more than just one person. If you go out to the street, you leave your home, you go to chat or you go to drink, whatever it is that you go to do, you come back, you bring that, you bring that, in, that, that, that virus back to your house. How many family members are there that could be infected? And so it goes on and on and on. Now, um, just how, how is uh, the police managing those who are desperately needing to purchase supplies? Because from what we've seen, many areas have seen a surge in people rushing to malls and, and shops during this time, which kind of defeats the purpose of having a lockdown. Yes, that is true. And that is why we have followed a multi-pronged approach in response to behavioral issues on the ground. The minister has, since the kickoff of the lockdown, been visiting provinces. We started in Gauteng, and then we went to the Western Cape over the weekend, and then yesterday and today we were in KZN. Now, the unfortunate challenge that we face this week is also that it is the social grant pay, pay time where the Minister of Social Development announced that they would be paying from yesterday, Monday, until Friday, the 3rd of April. So definitely when you go on the ground, what we find is cues and cues of people, especially the elderly. So what we have then done, I know in Gauteng, for instance, the MEC of Community Safety has deployed community patrollers who are assisting with this queue management where people are spread one meter apart in terms of observing social distancing. And then the burden is not so much on the police to be policing queues as well. So we, we really rely on the collaboration with community, like I said. But also what we found today, which was quite commendable in the Northwest, businesses themselves have taken the initiative, they've been innovative, they, for example, if I could use one uh, shopping center, which I won't name, the, they were actually using the trolley 
as for spacing between two people. So unfortunately, it takes longer. The hours are longer. But the system was working quite smoothly, where in one shop, they were letting in only 30 people at a time. And remember, because the limit is 50 people in a shop at a time. So they were letting in 30 people. So it was quite quick and it was quite swift and well managed. So these are the type of things that we we, we, we find are quite remarkable and should be emulated countrywide. But I must also say that um, even the president said it that these are uncharted territories. We've never had this type of thing happen worldwide. So what I've been saying is that we learn as we go. It's only the first thing. It's teething problems. But eventually we will find our feet and the system will be able to work. By the time we get to the to day 21, I'm sure we will be operating quite smoothly. And we are hoping that by the end of the 21st day, that the the curve will be flattened, as the president has said. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, Brigadier, I also want to ask about the complaints of officers uh, allegedly using excessive force on people who contravened the lockdown regulations. Uh, we've seen some videos on social media uh, of officers, uh, you know, taking really taking it to uh, members of the public who have, uh, um, you know, contravened. Uh, are these being investigated? Well, we have noted these reports. We also have been monitoring social media. We've seen some of these video clips, which is quite disturbing. But the minister did confirm today that the IPED, which is the directorate that investigates crimes committed or allegedly committed by the police, has with them 26 cases that have been opened. So we will we want to allow the IPED to investigate these and really get to the bottom and see whether there was any wrongdoing on any part of our members. And we must also emphasize that when it is this time of the lockdown, some of these videos really we haven't seen necessarily SAPS members, but we do take responsibility because this deployment, even the SANDF are here to support the SEPs. Everybody is supporting the, the SAPS. So we want to allow this, the, the, the investigations to unfold as they go. But the minister has emphasized, and I'm sure you also heard the president when he addressed both the, both the SAPS and the SANDF on Thursday before the kickoff of the lockdown. The president's words were, this is not the time to scop, skit and donor. So the minister has uh, elaborated and reiterated again today that uh, police will have been instructed to enforce the regulations, but it must be within the confines of the law. And, and then, uh, Brigadier, my final question, uh, we've, we've got a lot of questions uh, coming through on, uh, uh, on, on, on the line, and uh, people want to know this, particularly those who own spaza shops, those people mm. who uh, have vested interest, uh, because there are mixed messages. Uh, some people are operating, and then at other spaza shops, the police are coming and saying, you need to shut down. So, so, mm. so what, what line has the police uh, taken, or SAP's taken, in terms of the operation of spaza shops? Are they allowed to operate? Are they allowed to trade through the gate? Uh, you know, uh, what is SAPS allowing and not allowing? Well, uh, it's not even a matter of what SAPS is allowing. Uh, I think this was a pronouncement made by the Minister of Small Business in collaboration with the Minister of Department of Trade and Industry. The, 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 the instruction is clear. All spaza shops which are licensed to operate 
must operate. Because if you remember, even Minister Mbalula said last week Friday at the media briefing that in order for us to be able to restrict movement as per the intention of the regulations effectively, people need to be able to buy at spaza shops. We can't expect somebody who has 20 rents for a loaf of bread to pass by the spaza shop because it's closed and then need to get taxi money to get to town to only go and buy bread. It wouldn't make sense. And like people, the ministers have been saying that these regulations are not meant to punish people. So the confusion with the spaza shops, I think that has been cleared out, but we need to reiterate it again that all spaza shops, as long as they are licensed, whether with the Department of Trade and Industry through, through CIPRO, or CIPC rather, or with the municipalities, because some of them get their licenses from municipalities, they are allowed to be running. So there you have it. All spaza shops who are licensed will be allowed to trade. And I think that is something that's so key. Again, what you're saying, you're trying to limit movement uh, across, you know, uh, the community and you want to make sure that people who live in an area, because the spaza shops are the closest, you know, point of to be able to purchase necessities. Uh, you want to be able to limit that movement, make sure people get to, to the services that they need to without having to go from one place to a mall or to somewhere else where you're going to have that those groups of people intermingling. Uh, Brigadier, I know that you have uh, other commitments. I want to say thank you so much for joining us this evening and uh, having a chat and clarifying some matters for us. That, of course, uh, being Brigadier Matapelo Peters, acting spokesperson for the police minister. Thank you so much, ma'am. All the best. It's a pleasure. Stay safe. You too. All the, uh, and then also, we still have online Alderman J.P. Smith, the Maker Member for Safety and Security. Sir, I want to say thank you for holding the line for us. Um, and uh, just, just before we go to break, uh, I wanted to ask you, um, your men and women have been on the front line supporting South African Police Services and the SNDF. What has been the main challenges here in the Western Cape so far? I think Brigadier Peter summed it up very well. I'm not sure there's an awful lot to add on what she said. We have had compliance and even impressive compliance from many communities. I was thoroughly impressed by what I saw in Bonteville and Athlone, for instance, around the city bow, around many parts of the city. We are seeing impressive levels of compliance. However, there are pockets where the public are making it extremely difficult for the police. And that, I think, is inflaming conflict as the days wear on between the police and the public, which is starting to drive some of the unprofessional conduct and the improper conduct from the police officers. And one doesn't want to, one, one doesn't want to justify or excuse that behavior. Um, we had three officers driving the vehicle, swearing at people. It was widely circulated. I saw that video clip um, around 4 or 5 in the afternoon. By the end of the evening, we'd identified them. By the next day, they'd been charged, and today they're suspended. So three days till suspension. So we take these kind of things seriously, but there are um, there are also fault on the side of some communities. I was out with the officers now on a few occasions, and the public can be really, really inappropriate and and really provoke the staff. So that is a two-way street. And partly the problem stems from the fact that the regulations are very vague. So at the moment, any person who you stop on the streets can say to you, well, I'm on my way to go shop for food. And there's no real way to disprove that they're doing so, unless the context clearly shows that it isn't. But the bulk of the people can plausibly say, 
I'm on my way to shop for food, and that's why we've asked national government to consider refining the regs a bit to make it more difficult for people to be able to use that excuse all the time because lots of people, including senior politicians and everybody else and thousands of members of the public are screaming at us to get the people off the street. But the regs in part permit them to be there. Can, can I just ask you, because actually that's where my next question was going, because I, I wanted to refer to the statement that you released and the proposed regulations uh, or, or kind of amendment to the regulations that are currently in place. So what specifically um, out of that statement would you feel would help to uh, not only curb you know, that, that, that sense of movement in the community, but also help make things more efficient? I, I don't want to be absolutist or dogmatic about it. I mean, we suggested one or two things, and I think some people took it very literally. Um, but what we're saying to national government is consider alternative ways to structure it. Not everybody has to have the right to shop every day, all day. Maybe restrict uh, certain days to certain groups of people, certain um, surnames or certain, uh, certain areas, certain uh, portions of a ward or of a police precinct. So that not everybody has the excuse to be on the street all the time because you're making it really, really difficult for that officer on the ground to to prove that that person is doing what they're not supposed to be doing. Um, and that means we actually have a lot more movement on the street than we probably should have. And that is aggravating other people who are looking at this out of their front window and also on TV and saying, well, if they have to, if they can move around, why can't I? So I've had people sending me some ugly texts and emails saying, well, you're, you're failing to uphold these regulations, so we're not going to bother upholding them either anymore. And I'm saying to them, no, please don't carry on being good and responsible citizens. And as the Brigadier, as Brigadier Peter said, you're not doing this for the sake of obeying the law. You're doing this for your own safety and the safety of your family and your children and your wife, your husband and your parents, everybody you have contact with. Do this for yourself. Don't do it for others. Keep look at their faces because maybe in two weeks or four weeks, you will see the same faces on in, in TV footage of people in a hospital bed, like the people who had corona parties in Florida and many of them who are now ill. So if people are going to be irresponsible, that's their problem. Don't make yourself party to that. Just do the right thing. Now, um, let's, let's, let's turn our attention to crime. Um, now, in your, in your opinion, what has been some of the major transgressions and is there reason to believe uh, that some people could take advantage of the lockdown to continue the criminal activity, uh, knowing most areas are very desolate, so obviously uh, expecting not too much resistance? I think we're seeing this in the crime stats already. Many or most of your crime stats categories are down. So this not um, preventing people from moving around has a very predictable outcome. It suppresses crime, uh, but not all crime, sadly. Um, what is up is domestic violence and rape. So when you confine groups of people together, and especially men, who, where some men are not able to conduct themselves as the protectors of households, but instead are the abusers of households, um, there we have seen escalations, and worryingly so. Um, the city is looking at how it can impact and, and sensitize its staff on how we respond to that more effectively. But so there, that is up, and we've also seen that criminals have amended their, uh, their crime patterns slightly to focus on robberies of people at ATMs and um, Sasa Grant uh, beneficiaries or recipients where they are in areas where, because of the lack of other people on the street, they are perhaps a bit more vulnerable. And again, this is why the Western Cape 
um, provincial government and myself called um, in that statement of yesterday for us to be um, allowed to deploy the neighborhood watches. We have some 50,000 neighborhood watch members in this province. And we said we should be able to pull them onto the street. Um, we have been told flat out or that it, it is not a possibility. Um, and that position has been reiterated when we've um, interrogated it. So I am somewhat surprised to hear Brigadier Peters refer to the um, patrollers um, uh, supporting the SASA payment processes in Gauteng because we've repeatedly queried uh, the statements by the Gauteng ABC. And I will again now, based on her comments, take this up tomorrow. But uh, the point is, one wants to have all hands on deck and make the situation as, as feasible and as safe as possible. Um, and uh, and can, so they're okay with the, the challenges of not having the neighborhood watch members out on patrol. Can I then ask you, um, how, how would one then police that? Because obviously, um, you know, not all neighborhood watches uh, would necessarily be as compliant. One might not be as compliant as the other in terms of the regulations and rules pertaining to uh, safety with co- uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. Uh, and, and already having a challenge with policing a community in many cases, in, or rather in some cases, this community that does not want to stay inside uh, for one or the other reason. So, so how how big would the challenge then be to get those enabled watches compliant? Well, um, just remember, the Western Cape is a bit different from the rest of the country in that we have very significant neighborhood watch infrastructure. And perhaps just to add, um, uh, the Brigadier earlier referred to Metro Police. Remember, Cape Town has a Metro Police service and a law enforcement service. But with regards to neighborhood watches, we have a more formalized neighborhood watch infrastructure than elsewhere in the country. In many parts of the country, you don't actually have neighborhood watches as we have them here. You have CPFs doing the patrolling work themselves, um, and there aren't nearly as much. It's a fledgling initiative compared to the numbers we have here. We have a very robust neighborhood watch culture, and many of them are formally accredited. They're vetted. They're trained. They've got multiple levels of training. So many would be able to add value. And if you hear that this is already happening in Gauteng, and it didn't appear to cause problems there, then with an even better trained neighborhood watch call, there's no reason to expect suspect that it would be um, work less well in Cape Town. Um, and so I think that there are two things the neighborhood watches could do. A is focus on the crime fighting that they do every day uh, and that they've done for years before the lockdown, and they definitely have a positive impact, especially on petty crime and property crime. Um, and so in their absence, criminals will exploit those, those absences. And secondly, they are credible messengers within their communities. They speak the, the language, they are familiar with the persons, and they may be able to apply a level of peer pressure and community pressure where the police are either not respected um, or not present enough in significant numbers to change behavior. So uh, uh, I would rather have had an opportunity to experiment with this and see it not work and then call it off and reject it out of hand. But it is as it is. And at the moment, uh, Metro Police Traffic and Law Enforcement are doing as much as we can. Now, um, many people are asking for numbers to report members of the public uh, that are violating the lockdown. We've seen people, voting Voices of the Cape, asking the same question. I've had people personally contacting me regarding that. So um, who can they call uh, if uh, they know someone is not adhering to the lockdown rules and regulations? On a lighter note, if you'll permit me to say, please don't call JP. Because um, <laughs> I think I'm clocking, um, I must be clocking come to the you know, 50 to 75 calls a day. And easily 600 or more WhatsApps a day. 
So I am really drowning in WhatsApps. At the moment, I'm still struggling to catch up with some WhatsApps from yesterday with new ones pouring in all the time. So please do call the corporate call, call our emergency call center, the 107 center on 021-480-7700, That will get you to traffic, law enforcement, metro police, fine emergency rescue service, disaster management, It'll even get you through to the provincial ambulance services, and we pass calls on to SAPs when we can't cope with them. And yesterday, um, we were only not able to get to 9% of our calls. Um, so even though the call volumes have increased massively, we've brought additional capacity on board and we're coping as best we can. Then the call is properly logged and properly tracked and resource allocation can happen properly. If you send it to JP, then the mechanism is a little bit less efficient. Yeah, because there's only one JP for every 600 messages. Well, some, <laughs> some of my political opponent, opponents will say, thank God there's only one JP. <laughs> well, uh, finally, um, what is the critical message you want to leave listeners with this evening? Uh, but in, in light of the seriousness of the challenge facing not only the Western Cape, but South Africa and the world as well. So if they're listening to your show, I am guessing, um, and I'm making certain assumptions here, that I need to say Tramakasi for being for being good law-abiding citizen. If you're listening to a show like this and you're paying attention, that means you're the kind of person who is probably already respecting the regulations and thinking about it carefully and is doing the right thing. If you are doing the right thing, thank you, and carry on doing it, and don't be dissuaded by foolish people who are putting themselves and others at risk. And we appreciate that, and we appreciate that you're a responsible citizen. Um, and, uh, you know, please carry on reporting the, the crimes and the non-compliance where you see it. Be patient with us if we can't get to all of them. Um, and understand that we might, uh, after the 21 days, there's a long way to go. We're only, you know, we're not even a week in yet. It's, it's challenging. There's two more weeks to come. And it might get extended. Um, but it is important now to flatten the curve to make sure we don't overwhelm our medical facilities. I have seen projections um, for a best-case scenario, a worst-case scenario, and something in between. And the something-in-between scenario means hundreds of thousands of infections and a, a significant mortality rate um, and our medical health systems being overwhelmed with not enough ICU beds in the country and otherwise. And that's not the scenario we want to end in. The only way we as the public can control that is by not aiding and abetting the infections. The only way to do that is to avoid other people and to avoid getting infected or conveying the infection to others. So thank you to those who are helping. And for those who are not, I, I don't know what to do with you, you know, some people. Uh, Alderman J.P. Smith, uh, Mayoral Committee Member for Safety and Security, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'll leave you to get to the rest of your 600 WhatsApps this evening. <laughs> All the best, and uh, yeah, stay safe. I'm, I'm, at, I'm down to a modest 137. <laughs> the, the end is in sight. Okay. All the best, and uh, have a good evening. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we will be getting into some of the WhatsApps. You're welcome to call me also at 21 442 On the cards from your perspective, because um, I think, you know, we can say a lot from the from an official point of view, but from your perspective, what are the things that people have been telling you as to why they may not be, uh, you know, adhering to the regulations? I want to hear that from you and your opinions and your views on the lockdown over the last 21 days call me 021-442-3530 i still got to go through some of my whatsapps and sms's and we'll do that after the break the voice of the cape 91.3 fm stereo
Welcome back to the burning issue. It's uh, 10 to 9, and I want to go through some of the messages that we've received, and hopefully we'll get a couple of calls also. This one says, I do agree with the comment by the brother about food riots. How can government just allow a no-work, no-pay situation in many industries? The pinch will be felt as of this Friday. Salam so to police. Law enforcement army don't ask the people anything. They just pass by in Manenberg. It looks like it's the festive season and not a lockdown. I don't know if they don't understand English. Shukran. Well, this person obviously commenting on what they're seeing in the community. Uh, Saddam, we must still say a huge uh, big up to our health workers. They are putting their lives at risk for us. And our president is doing an awesome job. Thank you to them for the hard work they do. And then someone sending me a voice note. I am not going to open it, unfortunately. Walaikum Saddam. Was it checkers in the supposed elite area, but management had uh, said staff does not need to be safeguarded now. What must customers do? Uh, so if staff is not taking precautions and they're not washing their hands and doing all the things that they need to do, uh, that's definitely of concern to patrons. Um, this one saying, um, Saddam, uh, no man, what about pensioners for a change? What about pensioners for a change? Uh, see if that people or those people uh, can go to the shop for them. Uh, we really need to worry about the old people that must get repeat medication and that are in wheelchairs. They can't go to shops. We must focus on old people and pensioners. It's not just about us. Uh, this one says, uh, we, Aslam, here in Kingston, we have the most law-abiding people abiding by the rules. It's still a few that are irresponsible on the on the Facton side, uh, we cannot blame government for the foolishness of some of the non-abiding citizens. Most of our shopkeepers are also playing their part by limiting customers. I think the president has, has done well as COVID-19 has hit us all the same uh, at the same time. It's not like government knew two years ago about it, so under the circumstances we must commend him. We live in a society with lots of ungrateful people who does not abide by the law uh, given, uh, laws given by uh, given, uh, but uh, are the first to complain. People's minds Mindset needs to change. Everyone needs to be more responsible and stop expecting others to do something to bring about change. This one says, uh, Salam, uh, why can't they use the police as they're doing now to curb crime? The country has enough police manpower. Well, I think if I can just comment on that, uh, and I'm just, just making a calculated guess here. The reason why uh, we are curbing crime at the moment is because there's a lockdown and people are forced to be inside. It's not a matter of the police policing each and every single thing. There's, I mean, under normal, under normal circumstances, we live in a democracy where government doesn't normally have the powers to tell people stay inside and enforce a curfew or enforce a state of emergency. Uh, here we have a lockdown. There's certain rules in place. And obviously, as we had uh, Alderman J.P. Smith saying, you know, when you remove people from the streets, crime does go down. So I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. So one says, um, I have a okay, okay, this is something else. Um, I, I don't necessarily think this is for this show. Uh, Salam, this one just says, Salam, they are ignorant. Salam spoke to a lady that traveled in a taxi regarding the virus. She replied, I did not travel overseas. So this, this goes uh, around the ignorance uh, of some people not knowing the reality. And we spoke about this early on. Some people thinking, well, it's not in my area. Or, you know, I hear people in China getting sick. Or people not reading the news, not watching television. Not, and I, I 
I'm I'm still, you know, question how people are not not aware of this. But then again, we've got to realize perhaps in township communities, uh, some people are perhaps illiterate or not able to access uh, news information or it's maybe not just a priority priority for them. So they are shocked by the fact that police are in their areas and telling them not to go outside. Uh, So we've got to be considerate of that situation. Sometimes people are not aware because they don't have access to the information. Someone says, Saddam, if the parents in our hood would just take charge of their children walking the streets as if we were on holiday. Someone says, uh, Saddam, where I reside in Elsa's River in my residential area, the community is adhering to the rules and the regulations of the national lockdown. Shukran uh, from listener SD tuned. This one says, people complain when the government does nothing, but now that the government is trying to protect us, they complain. That is why we'll never succeed as a country. Ignorance is bliss in huge capital letters there. This one from 7300, please send army to Manenberg, people not abiding. Uh, Salam Fasih, how are you from Antiburida? Salam Antiburida. Uh, I'm glad that you are tuning in. And uh, then also, yeah, I want to go to some of the SMSs that we received received and there have been quite a few uh, spam messages also on the SMS line. Please don't send me spam messages. Uh, we are here talking about the challenges of lockdown. Uh, I don't want to hear about, you know, certain cures for COVID-19 that might have been found, you know, in another part of the world. Uh, that's unconfirmed. So please, please, please uh, just stick to the topic of discussion for this evening. Uh, Salam, like the brother uh, asked what lockdown our people are referring to, Vali Viti, Vali Visi, in Anderdinger, Miti Homeless, why don't they not use Cape Town's Newlands and Atlanta Stadium uh, be cruel to be kind because soft parenting created monsters already. Um, I'm not sure there's a lot of things going on in that message, but one thing that people have been asking, um, and I know this was posted on social media, someone is saying, why can't the homeless be housed in a place like the Good Up Center? Why are they being housed in tents outside? But uh, then, you know, some, some uh, other people might be saying, well, Social distancing is being, you know, uh, recommended or not recommended. It's actually being uh, enforced, and we've been we requested to uh, socially, you know, separate from one another. So if you have people congregating in one space, there's the potential for the virus to spread, and for all of those people to become infected. So individuals intense sounds like the best solution um, well at least that's the way i view it but if you have a different opinion you can welcome to whatsapp 072 uh this one says fake freedom is coming home to roost uh, politics and ideology and color is firmly entrenched democracy and cryptocracy and entitlement reality of the social so-called democracy um yeah i think probably in reference to uh, the, 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 the fact that there are some people who have, you know, spoken about the disparities between rich and poor in South Africa and the fact that in leafy suburbs, uh, in, you know, in the more built up parts of, of, of South Africa and, in, and definitely of the Western Cape and Cape Town, it's easy for people to self-isolate because you lock your doors, you chill in your room, you watch Netflix and you're fine. Uh, but then you have people living in township areas where everyone's staying in one room. When the grandmother needs to change her clothes or take a bath, all the kids need to come outside. So, you know, how do you enforce staying in your home in a township community? Um, this one says, uh, yes, for essentials, not going to the shop for a pompey and a cold drink. So, yeah, uh, you know, we have to define what's essentials and we have to limit the amount of time we're spending at shops. It's not just 
to follow the regulations and laws, but it's also to ensure that we, you know, uh, protect ourselves from what is a serious, serious virus. And this is why government is putting out all these regulations, not to spoil anyone's uh, day or to, you know, rain on a parade necessarily. Um, then uh, going back to the WhatsApp line, Salam, I would like to know why don't the law enforcement ask the people that are walking around, children playing in an, in the road, stop uh, stop and ask them where are the masks, not driving past and doing nothing, I believe. Uh, they must stop them and army, ask them because the Cape Flats think they are on holiday. So, yeah, so many people just walking up and down like it's not their concern, must come and see newly into here. It's like they don't care a darn. I don't want to use the word that person used there. So now I'm in Promenade Mall, Mitchell's playing today, you had to stand in Every shop in the queue you want to go in, like go to the bank, come out of the mall, go stand in game, uh, long queues and pick and pay by 8 a.m. this morning as you move around in all the queues, uh, you come b- uh, back to the bank, was told we can't help you, people are there in long queues inside, that was 3 p.m. so now you have to go back again to stand in the long queue for another 3 to 4 hours and I guess you know the question around is the spread of coronavirus, uh, you know this is definitely something dangerous. Uh, it to have long queues and people in close proximity to one another. Saddam, I just started uh, a shop in a very little, uh, with, and have very little stuff, hoping to buy more as the money comes in. I have a permit. Uh, am I, and, and I am a, is a citizen. Where do I go for a permit, Canelo? Well, definitely um, you can contact the city of Cape Town uh, to find out basically, you know, what the rules and regulations are around that. The two more messages. Uh, we want to know, we want to house the homeless in the Good Hope Center. Please, man, be realistic. How is that place going to look? Then uh, that was obviously the comment that I was referring to on social media. Even though crime, uh, there might be a reduction, we're still finding individuals using this time for criminal activities. One incident we had yesterday uh, was three elements robbed, two elderly and stabbed and robbed them. So yes, crime uh, seems to continue even under lockdown. Well, that's all the time we have this evening. Shukran so much for tuning in, for commenting on the show. I want to say a big thank you to all of my guests for joining us this evening. And of course, uh, we'll be uh, taking up the discussion uh, in some of our other programs as well. From Sam Muhammad for Safe Peterson, until I speak to you again on this burning issue, inshallah. I bid you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo.